If you turn in your Bibles with me, I want to look at Matthew chapter 19. And one last announcement, I promise, this is ridiculous. Where are these coming from? But She's for Christ. We are giving an offering to She's for Christ. Some of you have been working on that. That is on Wednesday. That is a notable ministry, incredible ministry that ministers so much to youth, to missionaries and foreign endeavors and home missionaries as well. We are giving to that. We have, uh, we're trying to give a great offering. We've already sent some off, but we're going to, there's a deadline, I think, of Wednesday. Of course, if you give after Wednesday, we'll take it, we'll give it, we'll pass it on. But Wednesday is our deadline. You've been working on that. So please make sure you get that and designate it. We'll make sure it gets to the right places. Matthew 19. Now, we're going to get in the Word. You ready for this? Matthew 19, verse 16. Now, behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. We'll stop right there. I want to preach a message today entitled, His good always trumps your bad. His good always trumps your bad. And I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness, God. I pray that you would have your way today. I pray, God, that you would give somebody some hope today. And we give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Say his good. Always trumps your bad. Always bad. Always bad. When I was a kid, my parents used to play cards. And they started out by playing this game right here. Maybe some of you have played this game. Anybody ever played Rook? Very few. Few. Got a few. Can I hear an amen? Some Rook. Rook cards. My parents were obsessed with Rook when I was a kid. And it was uh, a game that I figured out and I enjoyed playing. Somewhere in my childhood, though, they, they threw these cards out and they, they got some of these cards. And the game of choice around my house became spades. Spades became the game. And my parents, we played other card games. I mean, my parents were gamblers like you can't even imagine. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. They'll be here next week. Won't you ask them about it? But my parents got into spades, and spades became, I mean, it was the game around the house. Now, rook and spades are both trump card games. They have trumps. And I'm not talking about the president today. Let me go ahead and get, out, get that out the way. They're trump games. A trump always wins the hand, always. So in spades, you can have the top card of another suit. Say you can have the ace of clubs. But if somebody plays the two of spades, spades is trumps. Spades is going to take the lowest spade will take the highest of another suit because it's a trump game and spades that's, well, that's trumps. 
So that little two is unstoppable because it is a trump card. Merriam-Webster defines trump as a decisive overriding factor, a final resource. And I'm going to tell you the truth of the matter right here at the beginning. Our God is a good God, and His goodness is a decisive overriding factor and a final resource. No matter how bad your circumstances may be, they can be decisively overridden. No matter how bad your bad may get, no matter what other resources you've tried, I'm going to tell you something. You've got a final resource, and that is the goodness of our God. His good always trumps your bad. Amen? No matter how high-ranking your bad situation may appear to be, God's lowest grace, if there is such a thing, still ranks higher, and nothing can stop His goodness. (laughs) Now, in our reading, the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and calls him good teacher. Jesus zeroes in on that. He says, why do you call me good? There is no good one, no one good, but one, and that's God. Jesus delays answering this kid's question and addresses the implications of the greeting, good teacher. In response, Jesus asks the kid a question. In verse 17, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And with this response, he's making a couple of points. The first point he's making is, I am more, son, than who you think I am. You think I am just a man who happens to be a good teacher. But you see, son... I am more than just a man. I am your God. You see only humanity, but I am divinity in humanity, the Son of Man and the Son of God. In other words, you see me here, son, sweating, spitting, dusty. I got food in my beard. My hair's a little greasy. Sorry, Jesus. But there is so much more to me, he's saying, than meets the eye. I am the true and living God manifested in the flesh. That's what he's saying to this kid. Let me say this to you. Maybe you don't understand this, but you need to know it. Jesus was and is more than just a man. He's more than Buddha, more than Krishna, more than Muhammad. They're dead and gone. He was and is truly God, truly man, fully God, fully man. John's prologue is amazing. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jehovah came to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, one of those I am statements. Buddha's gone, Krishna's gone, Muhammad's gone. Others are gone, but Jesus is alive and well and will be forevermore. Amen? Now, our Jesus is unique. He is God incarnate. He is God robed in flesh. Paul told Timothy, Jesus is God as a human being. 
The rich young ruler had no idea. He didn't have a clue. Jesus was trying to reveal to him, I am so much more than who you think I am. I'm trying to reveal to you, son, the truth. I want you to consider the truth. Think a little deeper, son. Dig a little deeper. I want to tell you today, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you right here and right now, today. He wants the lights to come on in your spirit. He wants you to know he's more than just religious Jesus. He's more than just the founder of some religion. He's more than just traditional Jesus. He's more than just flannel graph Jesus. He is the true and living God, the creator of heaven and earth, the great I am, God with us, God for us. Nothing can come against. No one can stand between us. When you turn to Jesus, you've got to understand, you're turning to someone, not just a mere man. He's not just a counselor. He is the great counselor. He's not just a physician. He is the great physician. It's not the United States government. It's not State Farm or Mutual of Omaha. It's not Chase Bank or Capital One or J.G. Wentworth, 877-CASH-NOW. Can I get an amen? It's not your rich uncle or your rich cousins twice removed on your mama's side. Uncle, that's not who you've turned to. You've turned to Jesus, who is the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm trying to impress a point on you, and I think it's what Jesus was trying to say to this rich young ruler. Ephesians 3.20, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. In Genesis 18.14, the Lord himself asked Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is, of course not. In Jeremiah 32.27, God said to the prophet, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Again, it's rhetorical. The answer is a resounding no. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 10, David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Isaiah 40, verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers to him who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Verse 28, he says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strengths. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
they will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not faint. So I'm here to declare to you today, your situation and your dilemma and your mountain and your trouble is nothing compared to the greatness of your God. He is great and greatly to be praised. Come on, give him some praise right now. We bless your name, Lord. You are great and greatly to be praised. Maker of heaven and earth, you are God alone. Hallelujah. But Jesus wasn't finished with the rich young ruler. Not only was Jesus trying to reveal that he was God, but he was trying to reveal to this young man that he was good. Not only is he God, but he's a good God. That's the second point. He was saying to him, I am more good than you can possibly imagine. One commentator says, it was as if Jesus was saying, what do you even know about good? The kid said he had kept all the rules, and he was saying, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? This kid was a good kid, but his goodness compared to God's goodness was filthy rags. It was nothing compared. No wonder the commentator said it. What do you know about good? You may be very, 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 very good, but what do you know about good? Your goodness in comparison to my goodness is nothing. He did this compare and contrasting with fatherhood. Like how many of you, if your son comes to you, fathers, and says, hey, I want a piece of bread, will you give him a stone? How many of you would do that? The implication is, of course, none of us would. We would give him the bread. We would feed our kid who is hungry. He's saying, how much more then, your heavenly Father in heaven, will he withhold any good thing from his kids? He gives good things to his kids. What do you know about good? And I want to ask you, what do you know about good? Well, my grandma was good. She's really, really, really good. Yeah, let's talk to grandpa about that. What? Well, my grandma, she is really, really she's a saint. Let's talk to Grandpa. Let's ask Grandpa. Was Grandma a saint? Well, you know, Grandpa a saint. You know what I'm saying? We have, I, I, you know, icons in our lives. Oh, they were the epitome of goodness. Really? Really? You don't know all the stories. You don't know all the stuff. You don't know why so-and-so won't talk to them. You ever had those family squabbles you couldn't figure out as a kid? You're like, hey, why don't we have cousin so-and-so and aunt so-and-so over? And mom and dad are like, eh, you know. We'll see them, you know, over at auntie's house soon, you know. It's okay. And you're like, why? Why not? Why not? You, you don't understand the backstory. And there's always this big old ugly backstory somewhere. No matter how good, good people are, in comparison to God's goodness, there is no comparison. Our God is a good God. What do you know about good? And good, the word good is such a vanilla word in the English language. Like, it's not bad. It's not better. It's not best. It's not great. It's, it's good. It's just good. But in the Bible, the word good is a powerful word. Listen to this. It means bountiful, beautiful, cheerful, distinguished, excellent, favor, glad, 
gracious, great, happy, joyful, kindly, loving, merry, pleasant, precious, prosperous, ready, sweet, wealthy, well, well off. We see it in Genesis. He made the heavens, the earth, the seas, the land, the stars, the planets, the plants, the animals. And he said, it's good. It's bountiful. It's beautiful. It's cheerful. It's distinguished. It's excellent. In Joshua 23, 13, he said of the promised land that was flowing with milk and honey, it's a good land. First Chronicles 16, 34, for the Lord is good. He is bountiful, beautiful, cheerful, distinguished. He's merry, pleasant, precious, prosperous, ready, sweet, wealthy, well, well off. And his mercy endureth forever. Second Chronicles 5.34, at the dedication of the temple, the presence of God broke into that house and the people began singing, for the Lord is good and his mercy. They were getting a revelation and a glimpse of his goodness. This temple is awesome. Oh, but it's nothing compared to the presence of the Lord. Listen, we could build a new building. We could deck it out. We could put gold wallpaper, God forbid, on that thing. But let me tell you something. No matter how beautiful or cool or suave it is, it's nothing compared to the goodness of the presence of the Lord. He is good. He is good. I love what happened in Ezra 3, same thing. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 36, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. What he's saying in that, he's saying that his mercy reaches even further than his judgment. His goodness is above and beyond your comprehension. Paul would say it, mercy triumphs over judgment. Think about it. He is God and he is good. He has God-sized power and God-sized goodness. (laughs) I love it. He has the goodness to match the power. Acts 10 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, listen, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. My God is a good God. All those miracles you see in the ministry of Jesus, and there were hundreds of thousands of them, We downplay those miracles. We just kind of see this story and that story. But there's many times when the scripture says, and he healed all. And these huge crowds thronged around him, and he healed them all. He healed them all. He healed thousands and hundreds of thousands. He was the most famous name in all of that area. He was healing. He was delivering. People had demons, and he would cast the demons out. He would heal this one and heal that one. He even healed some Gentiles who weren't in the covenant at that time. He just went about, and what is is it described as? As doing good. He never went around and laid hands on people and made them sick. He never gave them a command, go dip over in that pool. And when you come up, you'll be covered in cancer, covered in boils. He, he never went to people and said, Peter, I want you to go fishing. And this is the way we do it. He said, I want you to go fishing, and you're going to go broke. 
you're going you're gonna to spend all your money and catch no fish, it's over. When they went fishing with Jesus, they caught fish that had money in the mouth. My Lord, we need a fishing trip like that in Jesus' name. The Lord is good. Can you imagine? They had taxes to pay. Jesus said, go catch a fish. The first fish you catch, look in its mouth, you'll find your tax money. He goes out, goes fishing, which is what he does, catches a fish, opens its mouth. I just think about the beauty of that, catching a big mouth. I want a big mouth, right? If it's going to have money in its mouth, I want a big mouth. Big mouth bat had to be a big mouth. So you, he pulls that big boy up, opens him up. Well, looky there. Thank you, Jesus. And went and paid his taxes. The Lord is good. He went about doing good. Those devils, when they were possessing people, he never went to them and said, you know, it's you open the door to that devil. I'm not going to cast him out for another 17 years. And you're going to suffer for a while because... You opened the door. You was watching that. You was looking at that. And you were dabbling in that. You opened that door and the devil got in. It ought, you're going to learn yourself a lesson. No, he said, come out in the name. Come. And it was his own name, right? He didn't have to say the name of Jesus. Come out of him. And the devils would come out. The demons would come out. Why? Because the Lord is good. How Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He's still in that business, church. Do you hear what I'm saying? It didn't stop. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still doing good. He's still good and he's better than religion has made him. He is a good God. Now I know what you're thinking. You don't understand, Donovan. I've blown it big time. And I've I've blown it over and over and over again. You don't understand, Donovan, what I'm struggling with. You don't understand this diagnosis that I've been given. You don't understand, Donovan, I could never crawl out of this this debt I've gotten myself into. You don't understand, Donovan, I don't think my family will ever get back together. You don't understand, the devil's pulled out his big guns. He's pulled out his aces. I'm going to tell you, the smallest amount of God's goodness trumps the biggest failures and the biggest sicknesses and the biggest financial crisis. The smallest bits of God's goodness trumps every sin and every sickness and every addiction and every hard, difficult case and impossibility that you'll ever face because His good always trumps your bad. i never forget. We were planning a church in Maryland years ago, and we had taught a Bible study to this couple. I think this young man was from Pakistan, was married to an African-American woman, and we were teaching this family a Bible study, and we were going into their apartment in Baltimore, and it was just incredible. And somewhere in that connection, they told me that his brother had been in a tragic, devastating car wreck and was in the hospital in Richmond, Virginia, at the VA hospital. And I would make these regular visits down to see him, and, and he was in a coma. They, the first time I went, though, they said, he's in a coma, Pastor. It doesn't look like he's going to pull out. Like, it's a mess. It's horrible. He's on a ventilator. He's on life support. It's, it's really bad. This is broken, and that is broken, and this is punctured, and that's not working. It was like a horrifying, worst news, worst case scenario. And they said, uh, you know, we just, we don't know what to do. And I said, I want to go see him. I want to pray for him. It's not me. It's just, I, I know a Jesus is good, right? He's still good. I believe he's still good. Amen. And so I said, I want to go down and see him. So 
I went down and I went into the to the E ER, to the uh, ICU the unit there. I had a another pastor friend with me, and I went in to see him. And it was worst case, it's exactly what you would think. I mean, he was he was unconscious. He was in a coma, neck brace, all kind of tubes everywhere. I mean, all over the place, just out of machines everywhere. And I walked in and I said, I I don't know who you are. And I know you're in a coma, and I don't know if you can hear this, but I, 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 you look, you look rough, and to help me out. But maybe you don't understand. I want to talk to you a little bit about my Jesus. I'm gonna tell you about my. I'm gonna witness to you about my Jesus, and I'm gonna read some scriptures about His goodness and His power, and, and I'm gonna bolster my faith, and then I'm gonna pray for him. I'm just telling you, he was hard to look at. And I, I got that pastor friend with me. He was a young man. I was a young man. He was probably a kid, you know. <clears throat> Back in those days, Randy, way up there in mid-Atlantic, Richmond of all places. And I, I'm over there, and I, I, so I opened my Bible. And I, 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 one of the scriptures I read was Acts 10, 38. I said, let me tell you about my Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing. I said, I want to tell you first, healing's a good thing. Healing's from God. And, and I believe God can raise you up. And let me tell you why. Let me take you to Isaiah 53. Because it says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. You know, the, the apostle Peter quoted this. By his stripes, he says, we were healed. He puts it in the past tense. I said, our God's a healer, and he's already paid the price. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But Jesus paid the price for your healing and for my healing. And I was reading these verses to an unconscious man in a coma. But I was reading them to myself as well. And I was getting excited because the more I did that, the less I saw of how debilitating he was. I started pulling out a trump card, right? I started seeing the ace of clubs down here. But I was looking at a two of spades, right? And I said, oh, my goodness, this is, we can do this. We, God can do this. And I, I started reading more and more verses to him. And I said, now I'm going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. I got a witness that was in the room. And all them nurses can witness to it too because they freaked out. And I, I laid hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, I pray you'd do some good right here. I command healing over this man. I speak healing. I pray that he would declare the works of God, live and not die. And I started, and when I, I'm telling you, as I did that, he started shaking and quaking and moving like this, and his eyes were opening, and the machines were going, and nurses came running in, and they're like, what have you done to him? I, said, I was just praying for him. That's all I was doing. And he was, he was moving all over. And just a few weeks later, that man walked into our church, which was meeting in a high school, because I'm telling you, his good always trumps your bad. No matter how bad it looks, his goodness takes the day, wins the day. Can I get a witness in the house? Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And listen, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the badness. I don't want to downplay it. I understand bad things take place, and they are scary times. But I want to encourage you today, whatever bad you're facing, my God's goodness trumps your badness. 
And see, we'll look at somebody else and say, well, God could do that for them. But, you know, <laughs> you don't know me, Pastor. Oh, I just, oh, it's just the way it is for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. He's no respecter of persons. Who you think you are? That's just your pride talking. You need to receive his goodness. Jesus, I receive it. I don't deserve it, but I take it. I receive it. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I receive that healing. I confess and declare that healing, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I walk in faith. His goodness trumps your badness. As long as David walked faithfully in faith in the covenant that he had, we have no record of him ever losing in all of his battles one man. He went up against the biggest and the baddest. He went up against gigantic armies. He never lost one man when he was walking in faith in that covenant. And we have a better covenant based on better promises. I'm telling you, God knows how to take care of you. I'll never forget another story. In the early days of LifePoint, I was teaching a Bible study to a group of young men on a Wednesday morning. I had a visiting preacher with me, and I took him to that Bible study, as I like to do in those days. And, and one of the guys I was teaching in the group had a huge tattoo of Frankenstein on his arm. And my preacher buddy was curious, and he looked at him and he said, Why Frankenstein? He said, Because he reminds me of me. Just a lot of broken pieces put together. And that same young man, he had a lot of brokenness. I saw him baptized in the name of Jesus. I saw God fill him with the Holy Ghost. I saw God do amazing things in his life. I'm telling you, no matter how broken you are, no matter how broken and messed up your background may be, his good trumps your bad. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand. I was married before, and I was divorced, and I, I fell into this, and I fell into that, and I got, and then I fell off the wagon, and then I got delivered, and then I fell, out, and I've had this struggle, and I've had, and I, and here, and you don't know my past, and you, just, I don't have to know your past because I know my God, and my God knows how to take care of a bad past. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? My God knows how to take care of a bad past, and His good always trumps your bad. No wonder Paul told the church in Rome, Romans eight. What shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He went on in verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am persuaded that neither death or life or angels or principalities or powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's why the gospel is called good news. It's bountiful, beautiful, cheerful, distinguished, excellent, favor, glad, gracious, great, happy, joyful, kindly, loving, merry, pleasant, precious, prosperous, ready, sweet, wealthy, well, and well off. His good always trumps your bad. Always has, always will to, tri- to trump is to triumph. Let me say this. Why don't you stand with me right now? Let me tell you where your position in Christ. You are destined to win every battle. 
That's a bold statement. But I'm telling you, my God knows how to cause you to triumph. You are destined to win every battle. Can you imagine facing every adversary, going into every battle, knowing I'm going to come out on the other side victorious? That old covenant, the promise was like this, above only, not beneath, head, not the tail. Knowing you're going to win. Can you imagine the confidence? That's the confidence God wants you to walk in. I'm telling you, there's some rich young rulers in the house, and you're like, God, what can I do to get the victory? And he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. do you know who you're talking to? I'm God, and I'm good. Let's forget about, let's forget about your small-mindedness. Let's begin to open the horizon. You can say to the mountain, be moved, and it'll be cast into the sea. You can handle serpents and scorpions, and that's not pick up snakes. That means that you can deal with the devil who is oppressing people, and maybe even in your own family, your own life, you can deal with them triumphantly. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I cast you out in Jesus. I resist you in Jesus' name. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He's overcome. That devil's been defeated. For this purpose, the Son of Man was, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Imagine rich young ruler walking in that kind of confidence. Beloved, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. I'm reminded of the woman that's caught in the act of adultery. John chapter 8. She had been dealt a losing hand. Would not you say? Caught in the act of adultery. Actually, this was a trap. These religious men didn't care about her. It was a setup. They were trying to get Jesus to say something they could use against him to the Roman government. You could study it out. That was the deal. And as a result of their chicanery, their trickery, it looked like she was dealt a losing hand. Circumstances, life, it looked like the devil had played the winning hand. The chips were down. It was all on the line. But Jesus had a trump card up his sleeve. Man, they made the wrong decision in bringing her to Jesus. I preached a message on it one time. I called it the ace of grace. He had the ace of grace. And Jesus pulled that out because he's good, and his good always trumps bad. Maybe you've been dealt what looks like a losing hand. I'm telling you, Jesus is offering you a trump card. It's an ace of grace. He can trump addiction. He can trump sickness, rebellion in that prodigal child. His good always trumps your bad. He wants you to know. He wants you to open your eyes. He wants you to have a revelation. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal a truth about Jesus Christ today. He is God and He is good. And you're no different than the rest of humanity. He is God and He is good and He'll be good to you. Just turn to Him in faith. 